You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this inaugural Embolden Adventures podcast series. Thank you for joining us today. Embolden Adventures, be emboldened. Embolden Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to give you the courage to see the world, to get out there, to explore, to learn. The world is indeed a beautiful place, and perhaps somewhere inside you, you have that curiosity to see it. If you're that person who imagines traveling to places far away or even nearby, but you have held yourself back for whatever reasons, let Embolden Adventures encourage you to take those steps to experience the world. Be emboldened. My name is Sarah, and my goal is to get you to travel somewhere you've always wanted to go. Is it Rome, Machu Picchu, China, the Great Pyramids of Egypt, all 50 U.S. states? I want you to be bitten by the travel bug, just like I was. And a bit about me. I live in New York City, and I spent nearly a decade working crazy, intense hours on Wall Street. As you can imagine, it, you know, I became burnt out. My spirit was unhappy, my soul was broken, and I craved something fulfilling. In 2009, on the heels of the financial crisis, I became scuba certified. I went on one dive trip, fell in love with diving, and I haven't looked back. The motion of the ocean, its harmonious nature, its healing powers, all have begun to bring me back to life. Since making my first dive trip, I've been embarking on adventures around the world, from the depths of the oceans to the heights of the mountains and beyond. Over these last few years, I've inspired and encouraged others around me to join me on these epic adventures. Adventures that, just a few years ago, were the wildest of our dreams and entirely out of our comfort zone. And now, I would like to do the same for you. Over time, on these podcasts and on the website www.emboldenadventures.com, you will learn more about my story and hear about my past adventures. You will also be able to follow along as I brainstorm new trip ideas recruit willing travel buddies, plan out trip details and logistics, and experience the journey as it unfolds. You will be emboldened. And then I would want to hear your story too. Find Embolden Adventures on Instagram at Embolden Adventures and tweet at Embolden Adventure. Check podcast notes for more information. Welcome to the first series of this podcast. Each part will be shared over the next few months leading up to my adventure this year, traveling to Jordan and Abu Dhabi. I'll be attending a wedding in Jordan of two dear friends, Jen and Adam. And then I'll be meeting for the first time my doppelganger in Abu Dhabi. It's going to be a fun story, so please follow along and subscribe to the podcast. To help get you in the mood to move, here is a music mix of a Zephe, traditional wedding celebration music in Jordan and elsewhere in the Arab world.
In today's podcast, I'd like to introduce my friend Jen, the bride-to-be this year in Jordan. Jen and I are longtime friends from our days at business school at NYU Stern. She and I met on a two-week university trip to Beijing, China in their Doing Business In program. Since then, Jen and I have traveled to many other amazing places around the world. These trips were adventures, to say the least, and some that will be featured in future podcasts. So stay tuned. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Hello, Sarah. Glad to be here on this inaugural episode. Yeah. By, by the way, through the magic of technology, Jen is joining us right now from Melbourne, Australia, where she and Adam live. Jen, what day is it over there? It is actually Thursday, so I'm in the future, and uh, I'm telling you it's pretty bright over here, but that's probably because it's summer uh, compared to your winter right uh, now. Yeah, yeah, we're getting snow soon, embracing for our first, uh, first snowstorm. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Jen, I'm excited to be going to your wedding in Jordan. I cannot wait, actually. Uh, there's so much to talk about, which is why we're doing multiple episodes but uh, let's focus today's discussion on the reasons why you decided to get married in Jordan instead of in the U.S. where you're from or in Australia where you live now. Yeah, that's exactly the question everyone seems to be asking me through <laughs> this uh, almost two-year planning process. And I suppose that since this is my second marriage, I felt that I needed this wedding to be something extra special and something that really represents who we are as a couple. So with that in mind, we formulated this plan to have our ceremony in an ancient Roman amphitheater in Jordan, which is where Adam is originally from. So he's not from the Roman amphitheater, but he's from Jordan. <laughs> and what makes this amphitheater, you know, extra special? Well, a few things. One is that it is incredibly well-preserved. Uh, the Jadash ruins are some of the most well-preserved Roman ruins outside of Rome, and it has been in existence for over 2,000 years. So I'm hoping some of that longevity actually will rub off on us. <laughs> Plus, it seats thousands, so I don't have to fuss over the RSVP list or seating plan. I can seat whoever shows up which works out really well because in Arab culture, you don't necessarily RSVP. You might bring more people, you might bring less people. So problem solved there. And also, no one there really does this. Local people in Jordan do not see the amphitheater as a place to get married. So this is really unique. And who knows? Maybe we'll start a new trend. And what would lead you to choose an adventurous destination, you know, especially in the Middle East, you know, during a, middle, during a time of many conflicts, you know, isn't, isn't that a burning question? Yes, indeed. And, and Adam and I have had many serious conversations about this, and a few of our guests have chosen not to come, and a few have also had some conversations with us. And it was not a decision that we made lightly. And in some ways, the answer is not simple, which is why we're going to go over it today in the podcast. But I guess to just give you an idea of the emotion that kind of led us to this decision, I met Adam in Australia and he swept me off my feet and really challenged me to look at the world differently. And one of those ways is, is from our first international trip we took when we went to meet his parents in Jordan. And I was so afraid that they would hate me. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm an American, I'm not an Arab woman, I don't cover my hair, I don't fit the vision that they must have for the right woman for their son. But he said, no, no, they'll love you. Uh, so I trusted him and I showed up one day and I landed for the first time in the Middle East and, and we drove to meet people that 
you know, I had assumed would not accept me based on all the stories that we get from our media. And yet I have never felt more welcome than I did upon arrival at their home. They fed me until I burst. They told me all these funny family stories and seemed so worried that I would not like them. What? <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. You know, and I, I guess it just shocked me that you know, it was actually sort of all the normal stuff that you would expect when you're sort of meeting the parents mm. of your your partner and sort of worried and this, this joint exercise and trying to impress each other. And it actually ended up being so much more normal um, and so much less foreign than, than I had expected. And then, you know, after many wonderful family meals and excursions, Adam and I traveled to Petra and spent a day hiking around the ruins from a culture that had flourished before the Roman Empire. And they had created an oasis out of the desert and their sandstone masterpieces just continue to amaze people. You've seen them in films like Indiana Jones and Transformers too, but you, you have to walk the canyons and, and climb the hills to, to really feel the awe that these structures evoke. And you know the family time plus the epic scenery just really left me altered. And I just was stunned by the modern challenges that this really ancient place is struggling with. And, and I came away knowing that, that the Middle East that's represented in my world is so flawed and limited that I, that I would have to go back. And so I visited two more times since then, and, and every time I discover something new. It was such a magical place for me that I would never have discovered if I hadn't met Adam. And so it feels exactly like the place that we should publicly join our lives and, and to share that with the people who share our love of discovery. Like nice. Myself. Yeah. Well, tell us uh, about Adam's family. Uh, you know, I haven't met Adam's family. I've heard a bit about them, but tell us more. Tell us, tell us what they're like. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're incredibly wonderful, warm people and they, they live in Amman, the capital of Jordan and they, are both originally Palestinian, but they left there before Adam was born. And he's actually never seen the town that bears his family name hmm. because he's not allowed to go there with his Jordanian passport. Oh, really? But uh, he, his family also spent time in Kuwait, actually, when he was a young boy because there were good jobs there. And they even stayed there through the first Gulf War, which is quite amazing. And so I realized when he was telling me these stories, while I was worrying about whether I had outgrown my pink curtains in my room, he was hiding in bunkers and collecting shell casings from the American fighter jets that flew overhead. Oh, wow. And, yeah, just a, a very different perspective on things. So they survived that war and then were sent back to Jordan afterwards. So they returned to Amman and have lived there ever since. And while his brother and Adam were able to get Australian visas and ultimately Australian citizenship, his parents are likely to stay where things are familiar and where their extended families are. So really for them, after being pushed out of so many homes, they really hope not to have to move again. So it seemed to me like the right thing to do to bring the celebration to his parents rather than making them take the long journey to the U.S. or Australia. Yeah, that, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I'm sure his parents must be you know, overjoyed that you, know, you guys are coming to them. Uh, what about all of your friends from the States and from Australia? Do, what what do they think? Well, it does vary, but I think overall most of them are pretty excited. And I guess because I've been lucky enough to have met some of the most amazing people over my lifetime and 
blessed to call them friends and thrilled <laughs> that they share a little bit of my insanity about uh, travel and and they're scattered all over the world. So no matter where we held it, many of them would have had to travel long distance. And so we felt that, you know, if we want them to join in this celebration, that the best possible way was to offer them the same unique experience traveling to Jordan as he had given to me, because that's something they wouldn't do uh, if it weren't for our wedding. So to make it worth the effort of coming all that way, we decided to coordinate a seven day trip through Jordan for them so they show up they get off the plane and we are just going to take care of them from from then on and we're going to hit all the best spots for the epic destination wedding of 2016 and you can believe it 30 of our friends have signed up to join us which is is such a high uh response rate i'm i'm really thrilled i I mean including me i can't wait to go (laughs) i'm so excited actually um well so tell us about this epic adventure you're planning well, people say that they're coming for my wedding, but I'm pretty sure that they're actually coming to Petra. I am. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Indiana Jones made it famous in the Last Crusade movie. I remember watching that as a kid. But, you know, Jen, I love you. I would still come to your wedding, even if Petra wasn't included. <laughs> Aw, thanks, Sarah. But thankfully, you don't have to choose. Petra is one of the seven wonders of the world, and it has been my highlight of every visit to Jordan. So it had to be in the itinerary. And in addition, the the last trip also took me to Wadi Rum, which is the desert valley where many films have been set, including the classic Lawrence of Arabia and more recently, The Martian. Have you seen that yet, sir? No, not yet, but I'm sure I'll see it when we get back and I'll recognize the the scenery and the desert and (laughs) it'll be kind of fun to watch. And then you'll say, but wait, it's not that red. Yeah, exactly. Some red filters uh, when they filmed it. I I remember that rock. So it is really uh, fun to to know that um, film crews come out here to just sort of uh, establish the sense of being on another planet. And it really is like being on another planet. And it's amazing to just sit miles from the Saudi Arabian border and watch the sunset with a Bedouin guide, making tea on an open fire with the firewood we collected. And it's just so peaceful there. And that's just a word you rarely hear in conjunction with the Middle East. Yeah, it's so true. Uh... You know, uh, you paint, it just sounds so beautiful. You're painting such a vivid picture of your time in the desert. Um, But, you know, you know me. I'm a scuba diver. And uh, when do we get to go in the water? (laughs) Good question. After we get dry and dusty running up and down sand dunes in Wadi Rum, we're going to head to the Red Sea port of Aqaba. And when Adam and I dove in 2015, we explored a tank, actually, that the king had sunk to make an artificial reef about 15 years ago. So it's actually teeming with life. And I think it's the perfect place for such weapons because it's providing a home for creatures to make a life rather than being used to destroy people's homes. So I love the poetry of that. And the Red Sea at Aqaba is so calm like one of the calmest places I've ever dived. So Sarah, you'll have to tell me if if you think the same because you've been to a lot more places than I have. And then, by contrast, the Dead Sea is so salty that nothing can live in it. And I find I can't swim in it for more than 15 minutes before it starts to burn my skin. So definitely no diving there. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Is that a challenge? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Actually, you can burn your eyes, nose, throat. If you put your head under the water in the Dead Sea, it's very, very bad. So 
you'll have to get your diving fix at the Red Sea. Well, I certainly intend to. It's been a, a place that I've been uh, very excited to dive. Uh, of all the places around the world, the Red Sea has been on my list. So um, I'm excited. But in general, overall, you know, that sounds like a packed itinerary for just seven days. Yes, it is a bit fast paced. And I know that's kind of our style, Sarah, we always try to pack so much in. And in this case, it was also because I know my American friends have limited holiday time. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to take all two weeks of their holiday for the year. And there's so many natural wonders, historical wonders, religious sites, all in this one small, friendly country. So thankfully, it actually doesn't take that long to drive the length of Jordan. So we're going to be able to cram a lot into the schedule without overwhelming people. Well, how big is the state of Jordan? Or the is it like the size of Vermont? How big is it? Just curious. Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think it takes only about six or seven hours to drive the longest length of it. Hmm, so it's not that big. No, it's really, you know, it's it's very manageable, and actually, you can you can actually do a lot in a pretty short visit. Excellent. Well, it looks like we will. But uh, you know, I'm excited, as I mentioned, about this trip, and you know, as a result, I've been uh, getting pumped up. And uh, I watched Lawrence of Arabia uh, twice on Netflix this past December, and you know, actually, it's the first time I've ever watched this movie, and I enjoyed it because now it has some meaning to me. You know, I didn't actually realize that Lawrence was a real person. Uh, the movie scenery, you know, the desert, it was just so beautiful. And, you know, I really can't wait to sleep in the Wadi Rum desert in those Bedouin tents. But uh, the big question, will it be safe? You know, it, it's honestly safer than you think. And I came across a recent quote from a Jordanian that resonated with me, so I'm going to steal it. It's a noisy neighborhood, but it's a quiet house. And I think hmm. my experience that I can reference is, Sarah, if you remember when we went to Myanmar, you know, there's border disputes in the north and the east, but we went there and never felt threatened, always felt safe and, and just such a wonderful experience mm. in Myanmar. So I think it's similar to that, which is that we're going to this safe pocket in the midst of, of a sort of a noisy neighborhood. And, you know, I know that since my very first visit, that there's been a huge influx of refugees from the neighboring conflicts. And apparently Jordan has taken in about 1.4 million Syrian refugees. And that's actually 20% of his population is now refugees. Wow. Which is, which is pretty stunning. And, you know, yeah, more people in the country means restrictions on water, increased costs for food and housing, and, and in some cases more petty crime, which happens with rising populations. But I didn't notice the difference. As a tourist, we're we're very sheltered from these things and very unlikely to notice the challenges. Just as a visitor to to New York City is unlikely to be impacted by the social conflicts that you see going on there. Yet tourism has actually halved in Jordan because so much media attention has frightened people from visiting any part of the Middle East. And while Europe and North America and Australia struggle to convince their citizens to accept a much smaller number of refugees into populations that are much larger, Jordan has become a safe haven mm. for, for people who are justifiably afraid. And I have a lot of respect for the Jordanian people and their government for being, bearing such a huge burden. And, and I encourage everyone to donate to their efforts. Just Google UNHCR Jordan and donate. And, um, you know, sort of appreciate what they're doing for, for all those people, but recognizing that if that's the place where the refugees go because it's safe, then, you know, it's definitely going to be safe for us because tourists always get treated better. And, and even, um, 
you know, a, a specific example, last year, a friend of mine from Europe happened to take a trip to Jordan at the same time we were there, but she traveled on her own. She just thought, oh, I need a break. I'm just going to go see Petra. And she had no qualms. At no point was she threatened or uh, in danger. Her guide was a guy. They drove around the desert together. She came back fine. You know, and I, I've met uh, a blonde female foreigner who lives and works in Jordan, and she drives around. She she posted to Facebook the story of how her car broke down, and actually the problem she had was too many people were trying to help her. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's not necessarily always the experience that we get even in our home countries. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and I've heard Jordanian women who've moved to Australia tell me, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can go out at night in Melbourne and... And and it's just such a ironic twist, you know, because I don't feel unsafe here. But since it's not familiar to them, they think it's unsafe. And so I think it's a matter of what you're familiar with. And and as long as you're with somebody who can say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Here's where we can go. Here's where we should stay away. And you know, just like you, Sarah, living in New York City, right? You yeah. You know how to stay safe in in a city, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's I think everyone should come to New York. It's it's a it's a great place and not as scary as people may think sometimes. Exactly. And Western women often feel particularly threatened by the idea of traveling to a Muslim country. But I actually discovered a, a lot of respect for women in Jordan, and like the story of my friend who, who was broken down on the road. Like, no one would ever take advantage of a woman in that situation in Jordan. Like, it just would never happen. And, um, you know, it's really refreshing because I've been in places where you get some pretty rude treatment from just strange men on the streets. And, um, and so while in Jordan, yes, you know, people are going to look at you, you know, you're going to step off the plane and they're going to be like, ooh, stranger. You know? Tourist. Because <laughs> you look different, you know, you dress differently, you walk differently, you know, you, you're foreign. And, you know, I think as long as we understand that that comes from a place of curiosity and not malice, that, uh, you know, you can really start to enjoy your time in these kinds of places. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah, I know you've, You've expressed concerns, you know, about, oh, well, could you be kidnapped or targeted as foreigners? And, and it's a really sad reality that the Western media often gives ISIS and Al-Qaeda sort of a lot more power in our minds than they actually have on the ground. And recognizing that there are strongholds where they do have a lot of power and, you know, like the Pakistan bombing that happened recently. And that's really sad. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to them. But that is not the reality on the ground in Jordan. You know, they, the UNHCR runs a large operation in Amman, Jordan, and they employ many foreigners who safely travel to and from work every day. And you know, the UN's not going to put people somewhere where they are putting them in danger. So either there's that aspect, there's, there's no war going on inside Jordan. And, and there's actually a treaty with Israel. I think a lot of people hmm. don't know this. They I didn't assume know that. that all Arab countries are at war or angry at Israel, right? And... Uh, but the Jordanians, their neighbors, a long time ago, they just decided, you know what, <laughs> we need to make peace here. And they've actually worked really hard at making their border a friendly border. And a lot of Israelis come over for holidays all the time. And there's even some of these days that are starting up businesses. And Jordan is actually really encouraging that. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, Jen, you and I have talked. And, you know, I know my parents have been worried. And, you know, so have some of my family members, uh, they think, what they see on TV is true everywhere in that greater region. And, uh, you know, we've had many discussions over Thanksgiving and Christmas about us thinking twice on going to Jordan. And to be honest, as you know, it's been a frustrating discussion. 
I know Jordan is safe, but how do you assure others not to worry? Yeah, good question. And, you know, when I arrive in Jordan, I do worry. I, I worry really? that my future mother-in-law will feed me too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I'll get a sunburn, that I'll pay too much for that trinket, or that that perfect falafel place I found last time will be closed. You know, I worry well, about the things we all worry about when we travel, right? Yeah, well, I hope we get to go to that falafel place if you could find it. Oh, I definitely. hope it's not closed. Definitely. I cannot promise it'll be open, but we will try. Okay, good. And, you know, as with any foreign place, though, it's, it's important to respect the local customs. So when we go to that local little falafel shop and the kid there that was serving us, he was so shy, he would just, he couldn't even look at me. He was just like making his falafel and, uh, you know, cause, cause it's not something that he typically sees as a, you know, a foreign woman in his shop. So, but he was so sweet and, and served me the most amazing falafel and, you know, but recognizing that being respectful, you know, usually when I'm out wearing a hat, covering my shoulders, women don't have to wear a hijab, which is the Muslim head covering. Uh, but, you know, you want to sort of be respectful and, and sort of not stand out because you're wearing, you know, Daisy Dukes or something like that. But, you know, to be honest, don't even wear those in my own country. <laughs> not, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's also safe to consume alcohol. I think a lot of people assume that sort of the, the way that Saudi Arabia works is the way that it is all over the Middle East. And, and in Jordan, you can consume alcohol in appropriate places, appropriate quantities. Uh, the resorts, actually, that are located on the Dead Sea and the Red Sea all have significant security restrictions so that only registered guests can get into the hotels. And, you know, what's funny, actually, that made it hard for us when we were scoping out the trip and we wanted to just go to a bunch of resorts and see how they looked. And we would go up to the gate and say, oh, yeah, we're, we're not staying here, but we just want to, you know, check out the pool. And, and they're like, sorry, you're not on the list. <laughs> so, you know. I can tell you they wouldn't even let, you know, let me in. And, you know, I don't really look all that threatening. So, but I wasn't on the list, so I didn't get in. Mm. And, and we will be traveling with local tour guides who know their way around. And we may even be assigned a, a local policeman to, to ease our transit. So I know that there are real threats in the world, and I would certainly never put my guests in harm's way. So we're taking the kinds of precautions you have to take to make sure that safety is number one. And, and really making sure that our guests don't even think about it so that their minds are focused on seeing the magical side of Jordan, which has made me return time again. And, and I believe that you will take your own magical experiences home with you and tell stories of how life goes on. It flourishes even in places that seem hopeless from afar. Yeah. I, I hope that when you come back with those stories, that your family and people you know will start to believe that there are actually a lot of people in the Middle East of all faiths just living. And we don't really see them on TV because people living their normal lives and, you know, taking tourists around are really boring to watch on TV. <laughs> well, like, I guess no, no reality TV shows there, huh? <laughs> right? and it, and, but it isn't boring to actually experience a good meal with a new friend in a new place, which is, you know, which is why travel is so important to sort of counteract that fearful narrative that we're always hearing. And I think, that's why I'm so excited for you, Sarah, that you're doing this with Emboldened Adventures because it's so important. Yeah, to encourage people to get out there and see the world. I mean, you know, once you open your eyes and get bit by that travel bug, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to want to see it all. Uh, just kind of spin the globe and find a place and let's get to it. But, 
you know, I really can't wait. This is going to be such a fun trip. I'm so excited. Um, you know, I've been talking about this for months and months now, but very stoked. But, you know, as you know, my brother Devin and his girlfriend Joanne are, are joining me on this adventure too. And, uh, you know, we're very excited to be welcomed to Jordan and to celebrate your wedding. So we look forward to seeing our mutual travel friends and from uh, our other adventures who, who will be there to celebrate with you and Adam as well. Yeah, and that's actually another reason we wanted to do this sort of epic destination wedding because we actually want time to see you guys if you're going to fly 20 hours to see us. And we figure over seven days we have a chance to actually spend some good time with everybody. So yeah, it's it'll an be fun. honor that you guys are going to be joining us. And, you know, Sarah, you were the first American friend to come visit me in Australia. And so you are already the most adventurous in my book, which, <laughs> you know, Coming to Jordan just proves it to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, well, Australia was a lot of fun, and that definitely will be maybe another podcast for another time, especially to talk about those great white sharks we saw in a cage. Uh, that's quite an adventure in itself. <laughs> so, uh, but I think uh, for the next part of this Jordan podcast series, you know, we should have Adam join the show as a guest. Uh, I would like to have him share his experience living in Jordan and his Hollywood career. Would he like to join the show next time? Well, I'm pretty sure we could convince him, especially if he gets to talk about his time on the set of Transformers 2 and, and The Hurt Locker and yes. some other films that were actually filmed in Jordan when he lived there. It's still funny to see him on the, the movie. I still I still <laughs> chuckle. His, his uh, five seconds of fame in five. The Hurt Locker. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we can continue to discuss this epic destination wedding of 2016 as it comes together. Jen, would you like to share your blog with the audience if they'd like to read more? Yeah, absolutely. You can find more about the wedding planning at newdawnwedding.wordpress.com. And that will be also on the podcast notes below. Uh, but thanks, Jen. And thank you for joining us on today's Emboldened Adventures podcast. Please stay tuned for the next podcast coming soon and a few others leading up to our trip. Tweet questions and comments and ideas to at Embolden Adventure and post to hashtag Embolden Adventures. Check out the website at www.emboldenadventures.com. Thanks again, Jen. I can't wait. Until next time. Yes. <laughs> All right, adventurers, thank you and be emboldened. <laughs>